A few years ago, Pope Francis designated this third Sunday of Ordinary Time as Word of God Sunday and asked us to highlight the presence of the sacred scriptures not only in our community, in our parish, but in our lives, in our families. I mean, we know the Word of God is more than just the Bible, that the Word of God is Jesus, but the scriptures present to us the Word of God. And so he asked us to highlight the sacred scriptures in our gathering today as an encouragement for each one of you in your homes that your family Bible should occupy a prominent place in your home and in your heart, more importantly. Because it's the word of God that the scriptures tell us is alive, it's active, it, it does things with us and to us. We truly can encounter the living God as we read the sacred scriptures. That these historical events that we read about are much more than just historical events. But it's the living, active word of God that comes alive in our lives as we hear that word proclaimed. And as we heard that word proclaimed this morning, for the third time, three weeks in a row now, we hear these stories, these calls to conversion, these vocation stories, we can call them. If we recall Epiphany two weeks ago, right, the wise men out in the east see the star, and they leave their native land, that place that's comfortable, and they go on a journey in search of the newborn king of the Jews. And that encounter changed their lives. And then last week, in our first reading, we heard the calling of the prophet Samuel, a young man who had not yet been accustomed to God's voice, so it, it took a repeated call for him to understand who was calling him. But then we heard that the word was never ineffective in his life from that moment on. The powerful word of God. And then last week in the gospel, John and Andrew, disciples of John the Baptist, once they see Jesus, they leave their comfort zone of their discipleship with John the Baptist and they go on a journey with Jesus and they stay with him. And their lives are changed. Their life has changed so drastically that they go and tell Simon that they found the Messiah, the long-awaited anointed one. And then today, once again, we encounter these vocation, these callings. A great story of Jonah from the first reading. We know the one who was swallowed by a whale and spit up on the shore. There have been many cartoons and many stories written about it. But that story is so much more than that. There's a depth, a theological, a salvific depth to this story. And it's a story that in some way should resonate in a real-life way with each one of us. And so we heard today, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is chapter 3, verse 1. If you go to your Bible, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We don't get the first part of the story. So what happened? Why did it require a second time? Because Jonah heard him the first time. 
Like last week, Samuel heard, but he didn't know who was calling him. Jonah knew who was calling him the first time. His response to God was, no. I know what you want me to do, and I'm not doing it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what you're asking me to do. Because what was he asking him to do? To go to Nineveh to announce the message. The message of repentance. The message of conversion. The message of mercy and love. So why did Jonah say no to that? Because he hated the Ninevites. The Ninevites were the, the, the capital city of the Assyrians. And just a hundred years or so before this episode with Jonah, the Assyrians had come to the northern tribes and decimated them. Wiped them out completely. Destroyed all their places of worship. Erected temples to the idols. Sent their people into exile. They were the arch enemies. And it's to those very people that God said, go and preach my message of mercy and love. And Jonah said, no. He got on a boat and was trying to go to the farthest end of the world he could find to not be close to the people that he couldn't stand. And while he's on that boat, a huge storm is called up. The ship is in danger of sinking. And the men on the boat realize that it's this man who's asleep in the bottom of the boat that's the cause for this storm. So after a conversation, they decide to throw him overboard so they could save their own lives. And that's when Jonah was swallowed by the great fish and then spit upon the shore. And it's that episode of the fish of three days in the belly of the whale that Jesus tells the, the Pharisees, the wicked, fair, evil Pharisees, that no sign will be given you except the sign of Jonah, who spent three days in the belly of the whale. But he, so he was dead and brought back to life. He said, just like the Son of Man will be three days in the earth and brought back to life. So Jonah is in the belly of the whale. He's brought back to life. And then we have the passage today. But he still doesn't want to do it. He's more convinced that God's serious about it because he was just dead for three days and now he's alive. But he goes to this huge city. It takes three days to walk through. And after one day's journey, he simply says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. The gospel, the good news, right? Repent. Because in 40 days, you're going to die. And there's no way you're going to listen to me, so I can't wait to see what God's wrath looks like over you. This is what Jonah's thinking. Because he says this message and goes away and waits for God's wrath to be unveiled on these people. But with that simple message, the heart of these pagan people was moved. And everyone and everything, from the king to the lowest animal, put on ashes and sackcloth and did penance for the sins that they had committed because they realized that they were living a life not in conformity with God's will. They wanted to change, and they did, and they were spared. And what was Jonah's response? He said, kill me. God, if you're going to be so nice to them, I don't want to be part of that. Kill me. I don't want any of this. What a cold, hard, and obstinate heart 
that must be. Even though in some way we can justify it for all the atrocities that these people had done to him, he was still holding on to what he thought was the right thing. (coughs) Jesus, or God, called him to something more. And that's the constant theme of the scriptures. But as God reveals himself to us, as the epiphany continues, and we get to know who God is and how God is, we will always hear him calling out to us, calling us from what's comfortable, what's convenient, what seems normal, what seems good, what seems to be, make the most sense to my life today. God speaks to us in those moments and says, I've got something more for you. And that's what he said today. Once he realized that his cousin was arrested, now it's go time. The kingdom of God is at hand. The time of fulfillment is here. Repent and believe in the Gospels. The time of fulfillment. That as things are supposed to be, they are. And why? Because I am here, Jesus says. God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Like when you call your Uber and it's outside waiting for you, waiting for you. This is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is here. Will you get in? We're waiting. You have no other option. This is your only choice, or you'll face the consequence. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Enter into this new way of thinking. This is what it means to repent. Yeah, if we need to be sorry for our sins and go to confession, that's part of it. But that's just part of it, because once you go to confession, you have to change your life. You have to avoid the near occasion of sin. You have to begin to live the virtues and the graces that you receive. It requires a fundamental, a radical change in your life. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. There's a new way of thinking. The calculus of this world no longer reigns. The new king, the king is here. So where are you being called out of? What place of convenience and comfort have you settled down into and determined that this is God's will for your life? Who in your life do you hate that you can't imagine God loving them? Who has hurt you so deeply that you don't want them to be in heaven with you? This is the reality of the call of the gospel. From the deepest place, the darkest place we can imagine, the Lord's calling us to new life. Because this is what the kingdom brings us. New life, true life. And it requires a death to self. This is also the constant call of the gospel. Of self-renunciation, self-denial taking up our cross, dying to our ideas, dying to what we think, and humbly receiving the gift, the gift of life with Jesus Christ. It's so easy for us to build our own worlds. It's so easy for us to apply our calculus, our way of thinking to God, and to say then make it make sense. 
But God's inviting you to a radically new way of life. To live in the kingdom. To the goals, your financial goals, your education goals, your family goals. Are they dictated by the gospel? Or is it anything else? Are you excited because we're getting, getting, we're getting to the playoff season and your team might make it all the way and this is the most important thing for you? Are you excited because the coach you hated got fired or retired and now maybe your team has a chance and this brings joy to your life? Are you excited because it's election season and we get to see these crazy fights go on? What's motivating you? What brings you joy? What brings purpose to your life? Is it Jesus Christ? Can you hear him calling you? Can you hear him inviting you to something more than you could ever imagine? Are you willing to die so that you can truly live? Jonah wasn't. We can say Jonah was probably the most successful prophet because everyone who heard him heeded his words and changed their life, even the animals. But the one person who didn't repent, the one person who didn't change was him. It's possible to encounter the love and mercy, to be in its presence and not receive it. It's possible to be so stuck in our ways that nothing changes. It's possible to be so afraid of what God might be asking of you, you don't let him ask you. Some years ago, maybe 16 years ago, before I was in a seminary when I was trying to figure out what God was calling me to. I had radically converted my life, was living faithfully to the church. And I was pretty certain he was calling me to be a priest. But I also wanted the good life of this world. And maybe I was going to get married. And Just this debate, this struggle going on in my heart. And I was at Assumption Parish and there was a, a, an older lady there, Miss May, who I was friends with, and she knew me, and she knew my story, and she knew my struggle. And one day after Mass, I was talking with a friend, and May walked by, and she said, David, don't be a Jonah. Don't lose sight of what you know God's calling you to. God gave Jonah this amazingly important mission, and he resisted. And even when he said yes, it wasn't with a full yes. What is it the Lord's inviting you to? Where is he asking you to go? Who is he asking you to reconcile with? He's calling you. Can you hear him? Do you know his voice? Are you willing to say yes? The Lord has invited you to a radically new way of life to new life in Christ. St. Paul told us in a second reading that all of this is passing away. None of this lasts, so none of this really matters. The Lord is calling you today. Don't be a Jonah.